Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. This is your host, Emery Melhoff. Today, I visit with Representative Anna Novak from District 33. Representative Novak visits with me about ESG, what it is, how it could affect North Dakota, and legislation that she has sponsored and championed through the North Dakota legislature. Join us for this conversation. Welcome to Straight Talk with NDFB. Today, I have Representative Anna Novak with me to talk about um, ESG issues. But before that, um, Representative Novak, why don't you go ahead, tell us about yourself, about your district, and how you got involved and um, ran for the legislature. Oh, absolutely. And, and Emery, thank you so much for having me on today. So I represent District 33, which is all of Mercer County, all of Oliver County, parts of Morton, and uh, parts of McLean. Essentially, it's all of coal country. And I got involved in politics, really local politics, about three years ago. Um, so I'm co-founder of an organization called Faces of North Dakota Coal. It is a grassroots advocacy group uh, that our goal is to humanize the people that work in the coal industry. You know, for the last uh, decade or so, there's just kind of some negative connotations um, coming at the national level and really from the EPA and parts of the federal government the people that work in the coal industry that I know, uh, my dad, my brother, my husband now does, uh, and, and most everybody is affiliated with the coal industry in some way, shape, or form that lives in my district, and these people are the salt of the earth. Um, and many of these people that work in the coal industry, a lot of them, they also farm and ranch on the side. And so, you know, when you came up to me and introduced yourself yesterday and asked me to be on the podcast and talk about my district, uh, I've got a lot of farmers and ranchers, um, as well as coal miners in my district. And this, uh, the topic of ESG, it affects both energy and agriculture. Energy and agriculture have always gone hand in hand, uh, particularly in North Dakota, since mm -hmm. we are such an energy and agri-rich state. And so let's dive into this topic of ESG. So it's kind of a buzzword right now. You see it in the news. But can you tell us what ESG is and some of the implications of it? Absolutely. And thanks for the question. So I, I actually have a bill. Um, it's House Bill 1429, and it focuses on ESG. And two years ago, um, the last legislative session, Senator Jessica Bell, who's also from District 33, uh, she came from um, a farming and ranching, or maybe it was just ranching background, but also worked in the coal industry. And she introduced a bill that basically prohibited the state investment board from having funds invested based on ESG. And my bill uh, just is kind of is building on that concept. And ESG is it's meant to be kind of like a framework within an organization to focus on environmental and social issues. And it's essentially put in place to encourage companies to kind of, quote, do the right thing and also invest in companies that want to reduce their carbon emissions and act in a way that is viewed by society uh, to be socially responsible. And publicly invested companies are evaluated and given scores based on applying those ESG practices within their organization. And so like companies, for instance, are allowed to purchase renewable energy credits or hire a diverse workforce to increase their ESG score. And, you know, I'm all about doing things in a more environmentally friendly way. I'm one of the few younger women serving the legislature and women in general around here are kind of, it, 
you, you don't see too many of us. Uh, it's, it's becoming more and more, which is great. And so I feel like everybody should have a seat at the table. But, you know, I'm, I'm a conservative and I believe that hiring somebody um, or making sure that every equal representation simply based on what you look like, what, you know, if you're male or female, your skin color, whatever, it's not based on merit. And I just feel like any of the ESG stuff really flies in the face of that. So anyways, it's it's important that we fight back. There have been other states that have fought back against ESG. West Virginia uh, has been kind of at the forefront of that fight. Texas, Louisiana, Florida, they've all taken a part of it. And, you know, two years ago when Jessica had introduced that legislation, there were a lot of legislators here that didn't really know what ESG was. And, you know, you move forward two years and like you say, it's a buzzword. Everybody knows <laughs> yeah. what it's about. Where did the where did this framework come from? I mean, obviously, there's a general movement nationally, and I suppose globally to to push to these, uh, you know, feel good things where you yeah. it, it really, they're more about the buzzword or the idealism behind it, not really the people and not yeah. really, the, and oftentimes not even the environment behind it. They tend to just be things to make other people feel good about themselves. And so where does this framework come from? And how has it you know, become something that companies feel bullied into adopting? Well, it, it it really does come from a very kind of liberal minded organizations. Um, and, and the thing is, what happens with some of these organizations is, you know, if you're a publicly traded company, you, you sell shares, and you can buy them on the stock exchange. And as soon as you become a shareholder, you're considered kind of as a as an owner of the organization and there have been companies that have had environmentalists and things like that that have gotten to be on the board of directors and they've been able to kind of infiltrate these companies into adopting these sorts of standards and and essentially from what i understand you know i think the way that, that they look at it is if they can kind of come together um, in a global system and, and push these ideas they're sort of in control of opportunities for power and wealth accumulation within the companies and they can push their agendas through and you know it's amazing this framework has been taking place for at least the last decade and they've been pretty sneaky in the way that they've gone about it it is really concerning when you think about particularly here talking about energy and agriculture mm -hmm. Because both of those industries being strong is essential for the reliability and sustainability of not only the state, but the nation. Uh, yep. You want to have a strong agricultural production system to ensure food, fuel and fiber across the nation. And for sure, with your experience in the energy industry, you really need that uh, grid reliability and, mm -hmm. and you need to look at what kind of energy sources are providing us with the sustainable, strong grid, particularly here in North Dakota, where it gets really cold. Like I think people and livestock across the state that depend on that. And so looking at making sure that that reliability exists instead of giving it up for the sake of, of feeling good about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, energy and agriculture are the two largest industries in our state. And I, I've heard a lot of people say this, but we feed and fuel the world. And ESG targets both of those industries. I mean, obviously, you know, for our state, over, I think it's 
up almost 60% of our state tax revenue revenue comes from uh, the fossil fuel industries within the state. And I tell you what, we can do things cleaner and better than anywhere else in the in, in the country, and I, I would you know probably even say the world. And um, we're constantly trying to refine the way that we do things and do things in a cleaner manner. I mean, you know, regardless if you believe um, in climate change or not, we're always doing things cleaner because who doesn't want clean air and who doesn't want clean water? And you know, getting back to agriculture, you know, I just I read a study in regards to ESG and agriculture and. In the study, it said that 17% of greenhouse gas emissions come from the ag sector. And, you know, they've attacked fossil fuels in the past, but now they're going against agriculture and trying to regulate the different types of, you know, herbicides um, and fertilizers and regulate the fresh water and, and that sort of a thing. And it really impacts our freedoms and really goes against capitalism and, and the free market. And, it's it's one of those things where we have to stand up and we have to do something about it um, here at the state at the state level. So your bill, House Bill fourteen twenty nine, I believe, is a a conglomeration of of several ESG bills that were proposed at the beginning of this session. Can you dive a little bit more into what it will do to help address this problem of the ESG framework? Yeah. So again, it's House Bill fourteen twenty nine and. Um, it actually just passed out of uh, the committee today on the Senate side. And I did have three ESG bills at the beginning of session. But this one, like you say, it just kind of groups all of them together and puts it under one bill. Uh, it, the, the bill is broken down into four separate sections. And the first bill codifies our law to prohibit state investment board dollars. So they can't be invested in companies that have ESG as their end goal. I understand that there might be some companies, whether it's BlackRock or JP Morgan, that have some ESG funds. They, they're allowed to invest in those funds, and I'm not saying that they can't, but when you are discriminating based on ESG, I mean, we shouldn't be investing dollars in, in companies and businesses that don't want to invest in the state of North Dakota. Section two of the engrossed bill, uh, 1429, it covers the insurance sector. And so fossil fuel companies are really struggling to get uh, insurance companies to cover them and not based on any accidents or anything like that, that are typically factored in with insurance premiums. They're being discriminated against uh, just because they're fossil fuel companies and their premiums have in the last uh, five years or so, their premiums have pretty much doubled. Hmm. And it's it's based on this kind of stuff. Um, so Section 2 tackles that. And um, Section 3, it adds language that applies to state entities that invest public funds. And it also adds proxy voting requirements. And kind of getting back to what we had talked about at the beginning of uh, your segment, you know, you have these companies that get shareholders. They, they send out these mailers. Um, to any kind of shareholder within the company, and they, they weasel in um, certain voting requirements and possibly add, you know, social justice issues to be voted on and want to be impacted for the fund that the mailer is being sent out of. And this essentially makes it so that if you represent or invest the assets for the state of North Dakota, then you have to invest and vote according to policies that don't damage our key industries. 
And these proxy um, voting services will be actively monitored just to make sure that the proxy voting companies don't breach our state policies. And then the last part of the bill uh, provides a study during the interim to evaluate the level of involvement that North Dakota has with companies that use ESG criteria when doing business or investing. And so this study will essentially uh, be completed before our next legislative session, and it'll give us an idea of whether or not uh, we need additional legislation to fight back even further against ESG. You mentioned that since even a couple years ago, this has become a popular legislative issue for other states. And Mm -hmm. uh, Texas is one of the ones that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. How have these states, um, how has their legislation gone? Has some of it been implemented? And are we seeing um, some positive things coming out of those other states? Yes. uh, So it's interesting that you say that. So Last summer, I believe, well, probably about a year ago now, West Virginia uh, passed a law where they essentially came up with a a list of banks that have been known to, they've taken a stand and said that, you know, we're going to implement ESG. And I think it started off with seven banks on this list. And um, in the last couple of months, two of the banks have walked back and said, you know, it's kind of hurting our pocketbooks. And so we are no longer going to be factoring in ESG. And Vanguard is one of those. And so you can see that it is making a difference in the return to investors, because essentially that's what it is. And that's what it should be about. And so it is making a difference. Now, the state of Texas, uh, that's an interesting one, because Texas is so much bigger, obviously, than North Dakota. And, you know, North Dakota, you know, if we take away our energy and agriculture sectors, that's kind of it for us. You know what I mean? Just because they are the largest sectors. <laughs> yeah. but, but Texas is so much bigger and, you know, they've got healthcare and they also have agriculture and energy, but they have, so I think it was last year that they implemented some of their ESG kind of bans and it is making a difference. I think that, to be honest with you, I think that when you have the state of Texas that does something like this that probably has a direct result on some of those banks like Vanguard um, and, and prompts them to make a change because it hurts them financially. One of the things that you hear sometimes in, in support of this ESG is, you know, if a private company wants to do this, then they should be able to. And if they want to impose this, then they should be able to. Or, you know, even if the state wants to invest in a company that mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what their ESG status is. But I think I think what is really significant about North Dakota taking a stand on this is you in the legislature represent the citizens of your state and, and you represent the, the citizens of District 33 and the values of the um, citizens being what they are as far as agriculture and energy and then also the family values, I think, need to be represented in, in this issue. And so just being able to, to stand up and say, hey, we're not going to we're not going to put up with this kind of framework being imposed, I think is I think is a significant thing. And I think it truly is representing the citizens of your state. Oh, well, thank you. You know, energy and agriculture, they're North Dakota's largest industries. They employ thousands of people, and we have a responsibility to our citizens to protect their livelihoods. Well, thank you again, Representative Novak, for joining me today and for um, representing energy and agriculture in North Dakota. And I hope to visit with you again soon. Thanks, Emery. You've been listening to Straight Talk with NDFB. 
To find out more about issues that NDFB is tracking during the legislative session, visit us at ndfb.org. 